0: to the Healthy Mind Fit Body Podcast. This is episode number 17, and I'm Kevin, and uh, Wes is on the other line. How's it going, Wes? Good, Kev. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I just had myself a um, antioxidant-rich green tea.
1: Nice. Yeah, yeah, I'm feeling pretty good. Yeah, I remember when we were talking about green tea and the whole weight loss aspect of that. And I had a hard time believing that it's actually been scientifically proven that green tea can have an effect on burning fat. Yeah. But apparently, it has been validated in some clinical studies.
0: It has. And uh, I think when I first tried green tea a long time ago, I didn't really like it. But uh, after I had a few cups, I started to really like it. So it's I think for a lot of people, it's an acquired taste.
1: hmm There's different types of green tea, and they contain various amounts of caffeine. I can't really ever get um, any sort of buzz from the caffeine and tea at all. I can definitely get it from uh, coffee. So I typically don't drink the caffeinated coffee. How about Red Bull? Red Bull, that's one of those uh, those drinks, the super juices maybe, huh? <laughs> we got an article coming up here. We're going to talk about the five most overrated health food trends.
0: Yeah, I don't think Red Bull could be anywhere near considered a health food, but... <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, maybe
0: not. Yeah, so five most overrated
1: health food trends. Yeah, this article kind of caught my eye on the Chicago Tribune under Health, written by Janet Helm, special to the Tribune. And the first one was something that we've seen a lot, is these super juices.
0: Yeah, I never bought into the super juices. I've seen those for years now. And and it started out, I think, as a multi-level marketing scheme. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And uh, it seemed like a really good thing when everybody first started talking about them, but... There really doesn't seem to be a lot to it as far as all the cleaning out your toxins (laughs) and all that. Yeah, whatever their claim to
1: fame is inside of it. Like these two bottles they show here, acai and mangosteen. Right. With pomegranate?
0: What does it say? That says passion fruit.
1: Passion fruit. It says the claim is these elixirs extracted from acai, goji berry, mangosteen, and other exotic fruits, tout extraordinary antioxidant levels and claim to burn fat, cleanse toxins, and fight the flu. Often fortified with extra nutrients and sold online or through distributors, the juices can be quite costly. Why they're overrated? You're paying more for the marketing than the value of what's inside the bottle, says this dietitian, Leslie Bunchy, director of sports nutrition at the University of Pittsburgh Medical Center. It's a pricey way to get your antioxidants, she said. You'd be better off with a glass of orange juice and simply add more color on your plate. (laughs) Even the antioxidant levels in many of these super juices have been questioned. Some studies have revealed that the amounts are comparable to apple juice. In the bottom line, they recommend buying a less expensive juice at the grocery store and eat whole fruit more often. Limit juice to just one glass, 8 ounces or less, a day.
0: Sounds pretty sensible.
1: Yeah, although to say that you should just drink a glass of orange juice instead kind of defeats the purpose of the uh, the reason why we eat real food, you know? Yeah. We want to get the pulp and the fiber and all the density that you get from eating the real thing rather than just the juice.
0: Yeah, definitely much better to eat the fruit than to uh, drink the juice. And in fact, you're getting a higher insulin spike if you have a glass of juice. Yep. Much higher. So yeah, there's really not a lot of reason to spend money on anything like this. I don't see because, and I've seen these bottles, I've seen people selling these and I've tasted them and I've seen the, the price on them. And I, I mean, they're like 30 bucks or 35 bucks for a bottle that's going to last you. I don't know, maybe a week.
1: 35 bucks for one bottle?
0: Yeah, that's what I saw. And this is a couple of years ago. Yeah, and uh, it was supposed to cure everything. You know, like it says in this article. I mean, it, it's basically a cure all for everything. So they really get you going on that, and you'll never get sick, and you'll have, you know, you'll lose weight, and basically, yeah, it does everything but make your breakfast. Well, I think these—they're referring to the
1: ones I've seen these on the shelf, and they're like probably two, three bucks a bottle, kind of like a fancy sort of Gatorade.
0: Okay, because the mangosteen, when I saw it, this is the specifically mango steen. It was thirty bucks.
1: Good lord. Yeah, yeah. That's really throwing your money away.
0: Yeah, but these are yeah, these are probably like 3 or 4 bucks.
1: You know, even if you look at the pomegranate juice, that one company palm that makes that stuff in a kind of a cute little container. Yeah. It's not as expensive as that. Um no. but it, it is pretty good. I mean, pomegranate does have some great aspects to it. Yeah, yeah. No doubt. It. Nutritious. But again, the juice thing is kind of defeating the purpose of eating the real fruit. Yep. So, and very few people probably just drink an 8-ounce glass of juice. Like, that's just a cup. Yeah. Uh, Typically, when people pour a glass of juice, it's probably at least 12 ounces, if not 16 ounces.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: So, you've got that
0: problem of measurement. And I think I used to do that with the orange juice. I remember if I felt like I was getting a cold, I would just drink massive amounts of orange juice because I thought I was getting vitamin C and I was hydrating myself at the same time. I was like, this is a perfect thing. But I think what I was doing was uh, really just shooting my insulin levels up, and that's actually crushing my immune system. So I think it was making my cold worse. Indeed. Yeah, it seems counterintuitive, given
1: all the propaganda that we've been, you know, subjected to over the years about how a big glass of orange juice is healthy. Yeah. And you're supposed to drink it with a big stack of pancakes smothered in syrup.
0: Yeah, why not? (laughs) <laughs> well, the second one is, uh, I think both of us disagree on this one, definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, virgin coconut oil. They said this is overrated. I yeah, really disagree with that. They knocked it for the price first. And yeah, it's not the cheapest thing in the world. But uh, it, it sounds like they are going with the angle of there are healthier fats out there, and this contains saturated fat. It says coconut oil still is mostly saturated fat, and research does not support the battery of claims.
1: Yeah. Despite aggressive attempts to improve its tarnished image, it's still mostly saturated fat. Well, this is basically playing into the myth that saturated fat is actually bad for you. Right. And we covered that in a former podcast. It was number four, hungry girl should eat more saturated fat.
0: Yeah, the science is supporting the fact that saturated fat is okay and even good for you. And yet, the myth out there is still that saturated fat is horrible, and that it's going to make you make your arteries clogged and give you heart attack and all that.
1: They're telling a tall tale. This Alice Lichtenstein, a nutrition researcher at Tufts University in Boston, where she says numerous numerous studies have shown that coconut oil can raise LDL or bad cholesterol. She said, for years, it's what researchers fed to animals to induce atherosclerosis. I mean, I'm sure that might give a, sort of a heart palpitation to Tom Naughton, the guy we're going to be interviewing next week, yeah. <laughs> who created that movie, Fathead. And a good share of the movie is refuting this myth of saturated fat and showing the history of it, how it actually got promoted and perpetuated by these people that had their own agenda. If you do research,
0: uh, it always goes back to follow the money. Follow the money. Exactly. So, yeah, and that's, I'm sure that's what's happening here with this um, nutrition researcher at Tufts University. Uh, there's some money going on there that's probably not uh, the most ethical.
1: Yeah, if you go to Fathead Movie, he has a list of experts from the film, and a few of these people have actually written books about fats. Uh, for example, Mary Enig, PhD biochemist, author of Know Your Fats, And she says the cholesterol theory is totally and completely wrong. It was made up out of whole cloth and then pushed. Yeah. And of course, there's Sally Fallon, president of the Weston A. Price Foundation, who said that we've never had these corn oil and other processed vegetable oils in the human diet before in the entire history of the world. So it's pretty obvious that what's being promoted in the mainstream is not actually healthy for people. Because at the bottom line they say here, do not run out and buy coconut oil, especially if you plan to use it in place of more beneficial oils that have been thoroughly studied, such as olive oil, which of course is fine. But then canola oil and other vegetable oils, you know, these vegetable oils are really high in omega-6 fatty acids, and that can contribute to a lot of inflammation.
0: Yeah, we certainly don't need more vegetable oils. And, and next week, when we talk to Tom Naughton, we're going to probably get into that because in the Fathead movie, they really get into the oils and how that came about, and why exactly we are told that coconut oil is bad and to eat more vegetable oils and things like that that just are horrible for your health.
1: Yes, repetition is good. And the more we can counteract the nonsense in the mainstream, the better. Yep. Because uh, obviously, they've done a poor job of informing people what the truth is. That's what we're here for. So coconut oil is good, and I would recommend getting the kind that still has the flavor of coconuts, but you can use the other kind uh, to cook
0: with. Uh, basically, it's flavorless. I posted an article on this on our blog, on thehealthymindfitbody.com, mm-hmm. and uh, I recommend the Nature's Way. It's extra virgin coconut oil. It was, it was actually the best tasting and the cheapest one that I found in the health food store. So
1: Nice. I actually like the coconut spread that has, like, it's chopped up coconut. Yeah. And it's pretty tasty because it tastes more like the
0: uh, the mounds and almond joy bars that I used to like. Oh, yeah. <laughs> sometimes you feel like a nut, sometimes you don't.
1: Sometimes you
0: don't. <laughs> so the next one, the next most overrated health food trend is enhanced waters. The claim is that uh, these supermarket shelves are filled with these bottles of Brightly colored waters that are spiked with vitamins, herbs, antioxidants, and other ingredients with names like Defend, Rescue, and Focus. Some claim to stave off colds, boost alertness, or relax you, while others attempt to lure you with promises of weight loss. So, yeah, I've seen a lot of these, especially at Whole Foods. They've got like just shelves and whole aisles full of these (laughs) drinks. I
1: prefer smart water because my IQ goes over 200 when I drink
0: it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's great.
1: Although my brain starts to hurt because it starts pressing against my cranium. It gets so big. (laughs) So I got to drink regular water to get it back down to size. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's filled with electrolytes, which is good. So it's good to drink things that actually replace some of those essential substances in your fluids.
0: Yeah, along the lines of the Smart Water, they also make Vitamin Water, and uh, they have these Vitamin Waters called Vitamin Water Ten, mm-hmm. and they have they use uh, stevia instead of uh, a whole lot of sugar to sweeten it. Nice. And so they only have ten calories, but they're really good. I mean, they have some just amazing flavors of that. So if anyone's looking for a, a good alternative to you know an antioxidant drink that's not filled with uh, fructose and sugar and stuff.
1: And uh, speaking of fathead, here in the uh, overrated section they have, the advertised benefits are often overblown, according to the Center for Science in the Public Interest, an advocacy group that sued Coca-Cola this year over the, quote, deceptive and unsubstantiated claims, unquote, of its line of vitamin water beverages. (laughs) So, yeah, the CSPI guy is hard
0: at work cracking down on people that it doesn't like. Yeah, and that's often not what it looks like on the surface. So they're trying to stop these bad people from making bad foods and making everybody unhealthy, but the actual result of that is the opposite.
1: Yeah, they have some explaining to do because they were the ones initially responsible for getting the trans fats to be used for buying like <laughs> French fries and so forth.
0: Yeah, they don't really have a leg to
1: stand on here with nutrition at all. So Lost all credibility. Um, But they do make a good point that you don't want to get this water that's sweetened, which can be just like the juices we just talked about.
0: Yeah, and it's hard sometimes to tell because it looks so healthy and they have so many health benefits listed on the label, and it's easy to fall for it. But then when you look at the ingredients, it's like there's so many carbs in some of these drinks. And I remember when when I first started drinking iced tea back in college, I got the Snapple Mm -hmm. and I I thought they were so good. And uh, I was drinking like a couple iced teas a day. Oh, the sweetened ones? Yeah, the sweetened ones. Oh, my God. And yeah, uh, yeah, later on, I found out like these things not only. I didn't even know they had caffeine in them either. I just thought they were really good tasting. <laughs> so I'd, I'd drink up at night, and then I'd be up really late. And then the sugar, and I mean, it's just... Um, I'm thinking it was high fructose corn syrup, wasn't it? It probably was. I mean, This is back in the 90s, so it, yeah, it probably wasn't even sugar. But yeah, the sneaky sugars and the sneaky carbs in these things will get you. Yeah. So the recommendation is pretty good. You know, get your nutrients
1: from foods or take a multivitamin and drink plain water. Uh, If you want flavor, add a slice of lemon to tap water or look for calorie-free flavor-infused waters. Yeah. Which are kind of interesting. Tasty.
0: Yeah. And then we've got uh, miracle seeds. Mm Mm-hmm. So miracle seeds. Flax seeds are showing up in all sorts of foods, including bread, cereal, pasta, yogurt, salad dressing, and soup. So, the latest seed is chia, which comes from the same plant that gives us chia pets. Is that also, like, chia head? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Yeah. Added bonus. Awesome. Both seeds are promoted as a top source of omega-3, the good fats, linked to heart and brain health. Well, see any problems here? Well, flax seeds, I guess, are not the best source
1: of omega-3s. As they say, it's not a reliable source of omega-3s. Potency is much weaker compared to what you'll find in fish. This is from the author of The Ultimate Omega-3 Diet. Yeah. But uh, I used to get the stuff with the uh, hemp seed, and mm-hmm. that's pretty tasty. But, I mean, it's not something that's going to uh, dramatically affect your health one way or the other, I don't think.
0: Yeah. And this is the reason why I switch. I used to take flaxseed oil a while back and then I switched to fish oil as far as supplements because it says here, only a small percentage of the omega-3 in plant sources gets converted into the most beneficial form once you eat it. And that's the Mm -hmm. omega-3 fatty acids. So. I would stick with fish oils to get your omega-3s, but you know it does say here, it says bottom line, enjoy flax and chia seeds if you like the taste, but don't let them distract you from eating more omega-3 rich fish or incorporating a variety of seeds, nuts, whole grains, fruits, and vegetables into your diet. I actually get the flax seed meal. I do like the taste of flax, and it is pretty healthy. I mean, you look at the balance of what's in it. It's high in good fats, and it's got protein and some carbs. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'll mix it with different things. Like, I'll mix it with my yogurt or mix it with, you know, whatever I'm eating.
1: Little dab will do ya. Yeah, it's a pretty good recommendation there, I'd say. Yeah. So, the last one, kind of esoteric. I don't hear much of this. Organic agave nectar. Blue agave is the title of this product they wrote, the claim is that scores of new foods and beverages boast about the lack of refined sugar, yet they contain natural sweeteners, such as agave nectar or evaporated cane juice. The new darling of natural foods, agave nectar, is sold as a syrup for home use and claims to be diabetic-friendly with anti-inflammatory and immune-boosting properties. Well, that's yeah. kind of crazy, isn't it? Because yeah. a carb is a carb is a carb. And uh, as they say here, why it's overrated... There is no real difference. The body treats all of these sugars the same way, says Liz Applegate, who teaches nutrition at the University of California at Davis. She was my nutrition professor in college. So How about that? That's some credibility. Yeah. You taught her everything she knows, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of going against uh, a lot of what she taught because, I mean, she was actually pretty good for as far as being in the mainstream. She gets quoted a lot in uh, Runner's World, mm-hmm. and a lot of the mainstream sources pick her up. Uh, But it was still based on a lot of the old research. And of course, I was in college uh, many years ago now, but we were still learning about how fat was bad. And a lot of the class revolved around counting calories. We had this project where we had to keep track of everything we ate and count up our calories. And and it was just ridiculous because I was swimming at the time. And I was taking the class with a bunch of swimmers, and we were coming out with like 4,000, 5,000 calories a day. <laughs> and, I mean, just ridiculous amounts. And, um, and of course, we were all like rail thin, so mm-hmm. it didn't really matter. Carb-burning machines. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it was, I mean, I was probably eating 70% of my diet from carbohydrates. So.
1: Yeah, she said, even the wholesome-sounding fruit juice concentrate is basically equivalent to table sugar. Agave nectar may come from the same cactus-like plant that gives us tequila, but the refined sugar is similar to the oft-maligned high-fructose corn syrup. The terminology of evaporated cane juice came under fire this year because the name falsely suggests the sweetener is juice. It's dried sugar cane, just like table sugar. Sugar is sugar, the bottom line says. All
0: forms are virtually the same and should be consumed in moderation. So, which would be worse, a couple shots of tequila or a couple tablespoons of agave nectar?
1: Well, don't they make a tequila drink that has sugar in it? I think that'd be the best one.
0: Oh, like a tequila popper?
1: Well, I guess so. Yeah. Why not? Double your fun, right? Double your pleasure. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I would say that sugar probably is a little bit worse for you than the alcohol, but of course, alcohol does affect the brain, so yep, not so healthy. But anyway, yeah, it's important to watch out for sugars that are not called sugar. Even though they're natural, it basically converts to sugar in your bloodstream, and you need insulin to process that. And the insulin is responsible for storing the fat and keeping the fat stored. Right. So the more sugar you eat, the less weight you're ever going to lose.
0: Yeah, and and this is all moderation, too, because like I put honey on things, but I don't do a lot of it, and I don't eat honey by itself, because it's like, what's the point?
1: Well, I do that when I have low blood sugar. Oh, yeah, that's right. Type 1 diabetes, so yeah, yeah. I've been known to imbibe from the honey jar directly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I just picked up some buckwheat honey recently, which is a little bit different in taste than the wildflower honey that I had been consuming.
0: Yeah, it is different. I, I have some of that myself.
1: Yeah, and the weird thing about it is when you squeeze it in your mouth from the, uh, the little bear jar, uh-huh. it has this lingering little strip of honey that hangs down. It doesn't really want to let go. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you got the bear jar? I got the actual jar where you have to put a spoon in there. No, no, no. I do the bear jar. That way you can just squeeze it. Where did you find that? At Whole Foods. Oh. And then at Henry's is where I got the wildflower honey. Oh, okay. So. Cool. Anyway, it takes a little bit more maneuvering to squeeze it in your mouth with the buckwheat as opposed to wildflower. Just a heads yep. up for you folks out there who <laughs> want to get those antioxidants out of the honey. Yeah, that's a good tip. So, yeah, how about a quick uh, transition into the 12 tasty substitutions when cutting carbs?
0: Yeah, I thought we'd go over this article because we haven't really uh, talked about anything like this. I mean, we talk a lot about cutting carbs and eating a low carb diet, but it's tough because a lot of people are used to just the standards like a sandwich for lunch, spaghetti for dinner, pizza, you know, pancakes for breakfast. And it's hard to come up with all these replacements to all that if that's what you're used to eating. So I thought this article was, I think it's helpful, but it's also some of the items that they came up with were pretty much just entertainment value. (laughs) This is on menshealth.com. Menshealth.com, right.
1: So if we just pick a couple that we each uh, prefer, you know, I like lasagna, for example, and their substitute for lasagna, instead of the uh, pasta, they're saying to use zucchini. Slice four or five medium-sized zooks lengthwise into three-quarter inch thick strips. And um, sprinkle Italian seasoning on the strips. Place them in a single layer on a nonstick cookie sheet. Bake them. You want them firm but not crisp. Then simply make the lasagna as you normally would, replacing lasagna noodles with the baked zucchini. Delicious! Zucchini provides texture that you don't get from noodles alone. Well, I think I could handle the zucchini in something like that.
0: Yeah, I actually really like zucchini. This sounds really tasty.
1: Doesn't it? Yeah.
0: Yeah. If I had an in-house chef, I would have that done. (laughs) But I used to be a big fan of pancakes when I was in my uh, high-carb eating days.
1: With the orange juice,
0: right? Oh, yeah. Syrup. Yeah, the whole thing. Sometimes (laughs) I'd put like powdered sugar on them and syrup. A diabetics nightmare. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty insane. But I I actually had these um, when I was like in college, I had these oatmeal chocolate chip pancakes that I would eat and then I put syrup on top of those. It was like basically having oatmeal chocolate chip cookies with um syrup on top of them for breakfast. Excellent. That should get you going as far as uh blood sugar levels. Yeah, it was terrible. But uh these pancakes that they recommend, the substitute are oatmeal and cottage cheese for pancake mix. It says <laughs> here <laughs> cottage cheese? Oh, babies? I love I love cottage cheese. Here is a can't-fail recipe from the South Beach Diet. Mix together a half cup of old-fashioned oatmeal, a quarter cup of low-fat cottage cheese, two eggs, and a dash each of vanilla extract, cinnamon, and nutmeg. Process in a blender until smooth. Cook the mixture like a regular pancake. And it says the carbs eliminated is 45 grams per pancake.
1: That's amazing.
0: Yeah. So, I yeah, I would definitely do this. I actually do make a pancake substitute. They're called flax cakes. Uh-huh. And basically take three tablespoons of uh, flaxseed and two tablespoons of water and you mix in an egg and a banana like a half a banana and you just mix it all together and then cook that up and it turns into a pancake and they taste really good and they're low carb
1: master chef at work so you put uh, syrup on there because here they say with syrup you could never tell the difference
0: yeah yeah i mean if you want to throw in some extra carbs but um no i didn't even plain they're actually pretty good I recommend.
1: I usually like use a dab of uh, pure maple syrup, which Mm-mm. you know a little bit goes a long way there for the flavor. Yeah, yeah. it's really tasty. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, you can get the uh, sugarless syrups, the ones that have hardly any carbs in them. Oh yeah, which is good. But in any event, I mean, this is kind of like a once in a while thing to eat pancakes, because <laughs> uh, your body would much prefer eating the seasonal berries and other sorts of fruits and substances that don't involve the grains. Yeah. But speaking of that, there's pizza. That was my other choice here. You cut the gills out of the inside of a mushroom. So this is a portobello mushroom instead of a crust. <laughs> huh. Then you place the mushroom on an oiled cookie sheet and bake it so it dries out slightly. And then add tomato sauce, mozzarella, pepperoni, and other toppings, and broil until the cheese begins to melt. And it says, like pizza, but moisture. Give me a fork. So that might be pretty tasty. Portobello mushrooms are pretty good, but I'm not sure if we'll substitute
0: for the crust. Yeah, I don't know. That's not really working for me. But if you're desperate, I guess that could uh, fill the gap. What I've done for pizza when I eat pizza once in a
1: while is eat the uh, New York style, which is real thin crust.
0: Yeah, and you can thin crust and you can take out the thick part of the crust at the end. the end crust. Yeah, you
1: don't eat this thick stuff at the end. And you're pretty favorable there as far as the carb to protein ratio. Yeah. And certainly enough fats with the cheese. So yeah. every once in a while, it's good to eat that stuff. But um, as a way of life, not so much.
0: Yeah, exactly. My second one was spaghetti. Oh, I thought you were going to go for the beefaroni. <laughs> yeah. I actually used to eat beefaroni, the canned, the Chef Boyardee when I was a kid. Uh-huh. And, uh, it was pretty much a regular thing. But um, yeah, I didn't want to be seen in a swimsuit back then. But <laughs> not anymore. Let alone a bikini. <laughs> True. So, uh, yeah, spaghetti was a staple for me for, I don't know, 20 years or so. And then when I started going low carb, that was a tough one to give up because I ate spaghetti and uh, ravioli like probably three or four nights a week at -hmm. least. But I switched the noodles from regular spaghetti noodles to brown rice and I felt a whole lot better when I ate the brown rice noodles. And I also cut down on the amount of noodles that I was eating and, you know, just added more protein and fat to it. And it just seemed like so much better of a meal rather than the old way of doing it, which was um, I used to just take a bunch of noodles, cook them up in water, and then uh, <laughs> dump them on a plate and dump a bunch of uh, spaghetti sauce on them. And that was my, my whole meal.
1: Yeah. Ragu or prego.
0: Oh, yeah. Ragu. Yeah, for sure. That's
1: Italian. <laughs> yeah, I remember when that first article came out way back, I think, in the 90s about how pasta makes you fat. Yeah. And I just dismissed it out of hand because I'm like, that's impossible. Right. Carbs are a source of energy. How could they possibly make you fat? Yeah, it's nonsense. But it turns out that's the carbohydrate insulin factor that they're talking about.
0: Yeah. And this one, the substitute for spaghetti, it's uh, spaghetti squash for spaghetti. So a cooked spaghetti squash is like Mother Nature's automatic spaghetti maker. The flesh, the flesh the flesh, becomes noodle-like strands. All you have to do is cut the squash in half and remove the seeds. Then place each half, cut side down, on a plate with a quarter cup of water. And then nuke the squash for 10 minutes or until it's soft to the touch. Let it cool, then scrape out the spaghetti strands and top with pasta sauce and cheese. And I would add some kind of meat too, because I'm a meat kind of guy. But uh, carbs eliminated are 30 grams per cup. It sounds good. I've never tried this one before, but that sounds like a good one.
1: Yeah. Interesting. Squash flesh. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah, I'm sure if you put some
1: nice uh, pasta sauce on there, some uh, marinara. Yeah. Mighty tasty. Some green olives, perhaps, for garnish. Oh, yeah. And Parmesan cheese. I'm getting hungry over here. No, I'm getting hungry. <laughs> <laughs> we better wrap this up, then. Yes. Yes. All right. Well, if you want to know more about Healthy Mind Fit Body, just go to our website, healthymindfitbody.com. And we have a link in the show notes as well as on the website to the iTunes page. And you can rate and review the show. It would be much appreciated.
0: Yeah. And uh, just a little preview. Next week, we're going to have Tom Naughton on the show. And he's not only a film producer for Fathead the movie – But also a comedian, so it's going to be fun times, for sure. Indeed, yes. And we're going to have some edutainment.
1: Yeah, get a good ab workout, I'm sure. Yes. Tom will give us a run for our money in terms of the humor. (laughs) Yeah. But also educational, too. We just watched that film and uh, recommend it. So You can also go to our site to download the free bonus audio that we have about the three pillars of achieving your perfect weight. Just sign in there with your name and email address, and then you get the download and get started on this program if you're interested in a healthy mind-fit body.
0: Yeah, and uh, check out our blog, and we'll be talking with you next week. So have a good week, everybody. Take care, everyone.